from Matthew 13. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Beautifully read. It's interesting that Oliver and those downstairs are probably the only ones of us that will be here in 2069 to actually <laughs> see the time capsule open. And Oliver, you know, in a sense, represents... I want him to read this today, and I'm really, really glad he, he decided to do that, because he represents our future. He represents the carrying forward uh, of those values. This today is the second of three messages that I'm going to do around our annual gift day, which we're celebrating today. Now, you can always hear other messages. There's a, a red little card at the back of the, the church on, the, on the, uh, the table out there, and you can download the messages on, our, um, on, our, on iTunes and things like that at the Aspen Chapel um, uh, iTunes podcast thing. And the idea of gift day, that which we've got once a year, it's uh, to, to give something extra as a harvest offering uh, out of your year. Um, as I say, new people, visitors, people who are just sort of turning up with other people, don't worry about it. No problem at all. I need to be giving you a foolproof way where you can be seen to be giving, but actually not have to give anything at all. So I'll show you how to do that. Um, maybe you've done well in your life, uh, maybe sold a property or inherited something or a business. It's, it's just an opportunity to give back. And I've put an envelope on your seats, which you can use to make a contribution. And we'll, we'll be doing that at the time when we normally do the offertory. And I'll give you a little bit of time to fill that in, or you can post it to us. We're aiming to raise $70,000 this year during the appeal. And we've already raised $12,000, which is brilliant. So we're well on the way to that. The idea is that we enable the work that we've been doing here over the last 50 years uh, to continue. And last week I said... You know, a lot of us here are of a certain age uh, where we really do want to see things happen in our lives. We don't want to see our communities, our, our countries, our, our world go to hell in a handcart. You know, we want to see a difference made from what we do. You know, that desire for a difference at this level really began in the 60s. And I think it did move through the decades in various forms, and I think it's still with us today. And to some extent, we here at the chapel do represent a part of that. You know, a lot of us, we've ended up in Aspen, in this rarefied pseudo-countercultural outpost in the mountains, with a mind, body, and spirit ideal, a, you know, a talking institute, sporty mountains, and a spiritual ethos that does hark back to the heady days of the 60s and 70s. And... You know, I think we represent a lot of that now here at the chapel. And I think, you know, what we're doing here is important. We don't know how important, and we'll probably not know in our lifetimes. But I think that a great many of us deep down know that we're trying to individually live something and learn something that does have relevance to the world, what we're trying to do spiritually here. And if we were able to manifest it in a way that is demonstrable, perceivable, and comprehensive, then perhaps we could join up with others around the country and around the world 
perhaps to demonstrate a better way to live. I think this year in the chapel, we pushed out more than we have done in previous years. And obviously, because it's our 50th anniversary, that's what we've done. And if you read our mission on our website, it speaks of reminding the peoples of Aspen that there is foremost a spiritual dimension to existence. And I think we've done that this year. You can't have missed the banners, the flags, the concerts, and the events. You know, in terms of pe people walking through our doors, what we would call souls touch, we have about 600 people that walk through our doors every week this year. You know, we've enjoyed a number of really lovely articles that people have kindly written about in the local papers. You know, we've had a, a few high-profile events this year. We had 350 people came to Byron KT, and more than 4,500 people streamed uh, the service on the life of Thomas Keating. And all that is in addition to the wonderful concerts, the heritage forums, the parades and the parties that we've held to celebrate and communicate the message, I think, of progressive spirituality that the chapel stands for. And next week, we're going to be sealing that time capsule that we hope will be opened in 2069. And, we, you know, we want to make sure that the chapel is still relevant in 2069. I also said that last week that for many of us, this community is the culmination of the work that we've done spiritually in ourselves over the years. I mean, it is for me. You know, everything that I've learned and practiced throughout my life, and I've, done, I've been on this game for 40 years, it's really got me here. You know, th this is it, as far as I'm concerned. And I'm, you know, committed to seeing it through whatever. And that's really what this gift day is about. Uh, uh, two weeks ago, I spoke about us being in it to the death. And I, I think that's how I feel about it. Although all those courses... And, you know, particularly that's been, we've all done all those courses, events, seminars, one-to-ones, learning, leaflets, posters, chairs that we've moved. One thing that was not on my description when I got ordained was the chair-moving aspect of it, which I realized is very much a part of my job, chair-moving. And also with Bobby, sealing envelopes and, and doing that, that's another revolutionary activity that wasn't on my uh, job description. You know, all this has culminated in this. So all my life has, you know, led up to me being a part of this here. And all the journeys that I've taken have led me here. So to me, you know, this is the pearl of great price from that reading. And what do I mean by this? This is really, I think, a set of values that we hold as being important here at the chapel. It's a set of values that have grown up over the last 50 years and represent what it is about. It's what we're committed to, and I think what we live our lives through. And we feel we have something to offer, I think, both locally and to the wider debate. And what are those values? Well, we'll be talking about some of them as we go into November a bit more, and, and, and giving you a chance to have your say about them. But for me, these are the values that I think the chapel aims to uphold in the world. The first value I think that we here aim to uphold is an understanding of the importance of the ability to self-reflect on our own consciousness. The importance of our ability to self-reflect on our own consciousness. You know, here at the chapel, we consider 
that the fundamental driver of spirituality and of evolution of all things, the, the driver of that is consciousness. And that we are part of something, all of us in the world, that started at the Big Bang, where the universe was given shape out of love. And we have a definition of love here, which is love is giving with no expectation of return. If you've got children, you'll know what I mean. It is giving with no expectation of return. That is love. And the universe was given with no expectation of return. You know, we had our lives with no expectation of return. And there's a direct line from the Big Bang to us. We are the universe made conscious of itself. We are with the universe become conscious. Human beings are the flower of, of evolution. We are the flower of consciousness. And personal and corporate transformation of that consciousness is really what we're about. The idea that, that we are individually part of something huge and can make a difference through the way that we live our own lives. That we are open to learning about that from all the other wisdom traditions. And the way that we live our lives, the way that we are willing to be open is part of the transformation of consciousness that really drives everything. That's the first thing, the idea to self-reflect on that consciousness. And the second thing I think is important, our values at the chapel, is the idea of the, and, and Shelley talked about this, the idea of the interconnection that every aspect of life is unique and dependent upon every other aspect of life, that we are living inter- dependent on everything else. We are dependent on bees. We're dependent on trees. We're dependent. All of life is interdependent. And we're dependent on each other. And I think that leads to our sense of social responsibility. You know, that lovely story about the guru who was asked, you know, how are you supposed to look after others? And the guru replies, there are no others. There are no others. And that inclusivity is at the center of who we are at the chapel. You know, our, our tagline is a spiritual home for everyone. And that's really what we're about. You know, communicating that the way that we work towards transformation is, is when we feel pain, is to transform that pain within ourselves rather than blame other people for the pain. That idea of transforming our pain rather than transmitting it and blaming others. So the idea of the interconnectedness of all things is a key value that we have here. And I think a third key value we have here is the nature of community. The idea that we are all part of one community. One community, not just here at the chapel, not just in our town, not just in our valley, not just a community of our state, not just a community of our nation, but we've got to come to the understanding that the world is a community. And, you know, I always say, is it going to take an alien invasion or some ghastly world event for us to realize that the world is a community, that our problems are China's problems, China's problems are our problems. And until we start to look at the world as one community, then we're always being partial. You know, that is the transformation we want to look towards, not just me and mine, but how can we make a contribution to the greater community? Again, inclusivity. Then fourthly, there are only five, so don't panic. So, fourthly, you think, how long is he going to go on for? 98thly, it's like when someone's 70 and you go, you know, you sing happy birthday to them and you go, start going, are oh, you one? Are oh, you two? And you go, oh no, help. So, anyway, thirdly, I think what is important to us at the chapel is creative expression. You know, we support 
we see life as an art. I mean, that is a key thing. I see life as an art. Someone once described mysticism as the art of union with reality or, 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 or you know, the mystic is someone who's trying to, 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 to have that art of union with reality and seeing our lives as an art form. And because of that, we have, you know, art, we have music, we have a music director, we have an art gallery downstairs, literature is important, creative pathways. Shelley, Shelley Franklin's beautiful flowers every week, they are part of the expression of the chapel, of the creativity of spirituality. And the idea is our life is a work of art and offering to the world. And fourthly and lastly, uh, no, it's fifthly actually, uh, and, and lastly, peace. I mean, I did think it was for nothing that we used to be called the Prince of Peace, this chapel. And peace is at the centre of all things. You know, that, that is a central value that we have. And that our role is both to embody peace, and that's what all the gaff about meditation is about. It's about getting to a point of peace in our lives. If you can't do that, how can you help anybody else? If, you, if you're chaotic inside, you're just going to create chaos. So the idea of arriving at a point of peace uh, and, and, and helping others who are seeking that peace, and that violence is fundamentally self-destructive, whatever the context. Violence is self-destructive, whatever the context. Now, those are the values that we hold dear to us, and they are huge things. And I think things that almost uniquely, alongside other organizations that, that are around the country and the world, we're holding the torch for all of them. They're a part of a movement for change, I think, that did begin in the 60s and that has had many manifestations, and we're a part of that. And each one of us has individually arrived at the chapel, I think, because of and through our search for these values to be manifest in the world. That's why we're here. We're here because we're, we think these values are important and we want to manifest these values in the world. And this gift day, I'm asking you to invest in the pearl of great price that is these values. And more than that, also I'm saying to invest in your lives, in the wisdom and love and courage that's led you to this point. And that collectively, we hold up both to our local community and the world. And I think it is a precious, fragile pearl that has taken 50 years to develop. Greg Anderson has given his life work to it. And we've got it to this point to the point where we're embodying these values, I think, in our lives and in the corporate life of the chapel, and we want to take it further. You know, we don't want to convert the world to a belief here. We don't really care about belief. <laughs> we don't. I mean, who cares? What people, you know, belief's not important. It's very overvalued, I think. Or to get them to join even our way of thinking. We just want to offer an alternative. An alternative to the way of thinking that pervades, I think, much of the world. The thinking that considers us all as being separate, separate as individuals, separate as countries, that encourage us to compete against each other for resources and care, that still talks about the deserving poor. I, I did economic and social history at university, at college, school, whatever you like to call it. I did economic and social history. And in the 19th century, there's this concept of the deserving poor and the undeserving poor. And you had to be in the deserving poor to get you know, help and stuff like that because there were the undeserving poor that don't need our help. 
you know, we want to give an alternative to war and violence as a way of solving the world's problems. An alternative to fear being the driving factor in both individual and corporate action. That's what our television program was about last week. That fear to so much is the driving factor of individual and corporate action. Look at the fear of getting fat, the fear of getting old, the fear of being ugly, the fear of losing our money. And then you have the corporate fears, you know, the fears that, of security, that in, it means that we pay you know, private companies vast amounts of money to lock up half our populations. The fear of terrorists that makes us spend trillions of money on, on militarism and all that sort of business, and that drives the economic military structures of the country. Fear is a huge driver of economy. And when you start cutting back on it, you start thinking jobs. But actually, it is fear that is driving that, an alternative to fear being the driving factor for both individual and corporate action, an alternative to the idea of us and them as a way of deciding on policy, an alternative to the idea of us and them as a way of deciding on policy. The current way of thinking that's prevalent in the world, I think it's not fit for purpose. The current way of thinking is not fit for purpose. Our so-called solutions are, in fact, creating more problems. Just look at the state of geopolitical politics at the moment. It just creates more problems. As Einstein said famously, no problem can be solved by the same consciousness that created the problem in the first place. And we are offering, I think here at the chapel, an alternative as a different level of consciousness. One that sees the evolution of consciousness as the driver of progress. And that we all individually have a collective responsibility in that evolution. That our enemy is really just the shadow that we ourselves cast. From the Tao Te Ching, your enemy is the shadow that you yourself cast. That our role is not to control others, to develop weapons, to lock people up, to lay down the law, to repress, to seek power, but to live our lives with gentleness, to be content, to transform our, play, our pain rather than blame others for it. As the Tao Te Ching says, thus the master is content to serve as an example and not to impose her will. She is pointed but does not pierce, straightforward but subtle, radiant but easy on the eyes. I think we represent a way of thinking that's been developed over the past few decades, one that has taken root all over the world and one of those outposts where it's taken root is here in Aspen. And we who've ended up in Aspen, I say in this rarefied atmosphere, you know, we represent that now here at the chapel. We have to do more than just come on Sundays and just talk about it. And we're doing that, we're reaching out, but I think we could do more. And after 50 years, we have a community that is built to represent, I think, this new level of consciousness. One where we're responsible individually and corporately for our, our actions. We know here, I think, that if we want to lead, we must learn to follow the Tao, learn to follow the Christ nature, whatever you like to call it. We must learn to follow that inner wisdom and stop trying to control. To die 
to each moment as it comes along, to surrender our lives, and then to do our work and step back. That's it in the Tao Te Ching. It says, you know, the way to serenity is to do your work and then to step back. In other words, not be concerned with the outcomes. To experience that peace of not trying. To have a trust that there is a fundamentally an order in the world that does come through. And to have the compassion for life and for all that comes with it. I think that's an amazing idea, to have compassion for life. Compassion for people that come our way. Compassion for the circumstances that come our way. It's an individual stance, I think, that reflects an understanding that all we can do is to fall into the depths of life, into the deep connectivity of all things, to fall into that order. And I think that is a new and radical approach to life. And I'm suggesting that the chapel and the way that we live it is worthy of your highest support, because I think what we're doing is important. We don't know how important it is, so we probably won't in our lifetimes. But I think that many of us deep down know that we're learning something that does have relevance. And if we could manifest it in a way, as I said, that's demonstrable, perceivable, and comprehensive, then we could join up with others and actually make a difference. You know, we've pushed out this year more than ever before, that we, but we do need as well your radical support to keep the momentum going, both in the way that you live and in the way that you give. This chapel manifests part of that pearl of great price. And the investment you make today is not just an investment in this bricks and mortar here, or even in the people that run it or the staff. It is an investment in the wisdom and understanding that has grown up here over the decades, over the centuries, and that now that you represent is part of your life. Everything you've done in this area has been about manifesting that wisdom and having it arrive through you in the real world. So the investment you make today is an investment in your lives to manifest what you've been striving at over the years. I put 40 years into this, and I want to see it go further. This is it for me now. You know, our family are going to be putting money where our mouths are, and I hope you'll do the same. Thank you. Let's pray. So we do pray for our world as we look out on it. We see the chaos, the violence, the indecision. We see the striving for me and mine, for territory, for power. And we ask that gentleness be put into the hearts of our leaders. That we may begin to live in a community that looks after itself, that respects all peoples, where there is no us and them. We pray for all those who are living in war zones at the moment, people driven from their homes, we think particularly of Syria. But there are many war zones all over the world that we don't hear of every day, and we just pray for people living there. We pray for the leaders Pray for those living in unjust regimes, for demonstrators and for governments. Pray for a sense of wise peace and understanding that may come through the world into the hearts of those who suffer. And we pray for those suffering from 
natural disasters, those in California, those suffering all over the world from climate change. Pray for those who are in prisons, homeless, hungry. And we pray for those who are in hospital, those who are struggling to get well, people we know. We mention those in our own community that we are aware of. Rita Hunter, Heather Morrow, Pat Smith, Patricia Overton, Brett McKenzie, Elizabeth Robin Morse and her pregnancy, Connie Orcutt recovering from back surgery, and Ryder Friday, who's nine years old, suffering from a broken jaw and pelvis from a motorcycle crash. We just pray, Lord, for all those people that you will bless them. In Jesus' name, amen.